Hi, everybody, and welcome to Mecha Dragon, a podcast about all the geeky and nerdy stuff you love. Brought to you by Captain Geek and the Dark Nerd. I'm your Captain Will. And I'm your nerd, Jess. Today, we are talking WandaVision, specifically Episode 6, which is titled All New Halloween Spooktacular. I I put in the ghost sound at the end. That's not part of the title. And we are joined by podcaster (laughs) Kim. Thank you for joining the show with us today, Kim. Absolutely. Great to have you. Love to nerd. As I understand it, you are also a Marvel or WandaVision fan. I believe that would be correct. Indeed. Uh, I come to this through the MCU more than the comics, but Mm -hmm. yes, uh, Wanda is uh, one of my favorite characters of the entire MCU. And that's that's actually a whole show. That's actually a great thing because a lot of the guests we've had on um, have, you know, a, a knowledge of the comics and grew up with it. So it's cool to see someone that got brought in just through the movies. So it's kind of a, you're coming from a different angle. So I like that. Yeah, that is nice. So uh, we are going to react to and analyze this episode, talk about where the show could be headed, explain a bit of what's going on to the best of our ability anyway, make some predictions for the wider MCU based on what's happening in the show, spin a little tinfoil and point out some evidence from the show that supports our wild theory crafting, uh, or at least allegedly supports it. Um, but uh, but actually, Kim, I wonder if you could tell us uh, real quick, what, what is it uh, about Wanda that uh, that attracts you to that character so much? Like, what what is it that you love about her? Or why is she such a, you know, a compelling character for you? I mean, I'm kind of curious. Well, A, like the Avengers, it starts off with Iron Man and then you get all the boys like, mm-hmm. you know, they come in and play. He's the one that and dies at the Widow's- end, right? <laughs> Spoiler! Oh, yeah, Jess is very us. much of a uh, <laughs> of a troll, but continue. <laughs> yeah, uh, but anyway, like I've loved superheroes, but it's just so much of them have been men, and the fact that there are strong women that are popping up in the MCU, and I mean. Before Scarlet Witch was my favorite, Black Widow was my favorite. I've actually done cosplay as her. Um, and the fact that we're bringing in and sh- and like highlighting some of the strong women and good god damn, she's like one of the strongest beings at this point mm-hmm. compared to, you know, all the other people running around. So I just really, really love that they're bringing some of that and more of the diversity into the, the comic book world. Yeah, you know, I agree. And I think Kevin Feige said uh, at one point in an interview or something that he that uh, Wanda is actually the most powerful like hero character that we've met thus far in the MCU, you know. Sure. And there's, you know, and you can cite that she was the only one who was like about to defeat Thanos all by herself Mm -hmm. until he blitzed the whole, you know, battlefield, (laughs) basically. Um, Yeah, it just kind of threw her off so she couldn't keep her footing. Yeah. Like. I really, really love that. And then also the fact that they show her as more of a realistic question mark character in that she has a lot of trauma and she's dealing with a lot of things Mm -hmm. in her head. And like, you know, normal humans aren't going to be able to just be like, yep, 
my brother died, so now I'm going to go be the hero for the universe. Like, people, <laughs> right. people don't do that. Right. And so the fact that she is a broken individual and she's struggling with these powers and all of that, I really find that humanizing. And I, I, I like how they incorporate that. Yeah. I, I mean, I've been saying that I really think that the unifying theme of this show is like grief and trauma. Because they just keep hitting it and it's kind of the basis for, you know, why Wanda is doing the things that she's doing. So, yeah, I I find that to be really compelling, too. So with with all of that said, um, Jess, why don't we start with you and then we'll go to Kim's general impressions. Jess. We saw in the last episode where Wanda and Vision kind of butted heads and he became more self-aware of himself and the reality quote unquote uh, that he's in and this episode just kind of kind of rips it right open it's like there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the previous episodes where they're like trying to hide their powers and pretend they're one of the normies and in this episode you see none of that that's out the window yeah it's like they're just just superpowers left and right, and they're just more people are popping up with powers. And Vision is really struggling with his role in this new world because he's learning more about himself. And uh, it's just crazy to see what happens at the end. And it's basically an, an unraveling of Wanda's uh, web that she has woven. It's basically what I took away from this episode. And she's either losing power or maybe being controlled or manipulated by someone else that we haven't seen yet. Because I hate to jump to conclusions, but yeah, there's something going on behind the scenes. Yeah, I think we might we, we might debate the whole she's losing power idea. Well, it's uh, not, in a not that she's losing power. <laughs> she's losing control of what she has created i don't know i mean i don't know how you see what she does in that episode and think yeah she's getting weaker well i don't see how (laughs) anyone else could just step in and take over or change anything yeah i mean that's that's kind of like you're starting to get at the crux of it i think but um it is interesting i i also find interesting how vision's awareness kind of goes up and up every episode and i think it begs a lot of questions about why he's immune to a lot of the like mind control that the other characters have to deal with, right. uh, but we'll, we'll get into that. Um, Kim, uh, what are your general impressions of this episode of WandaVision? I really liked how the increasing awareness of everybody is kind of put into the spotlight, and I I really appreciate how they're playing that. Like, Vision is getting some inkling doesn't really fully understand but like he he's trying to i don't know what people upstairs are doing but there's like fucking elephants or something i apologize (laughs) now last it was the neighbor's cat now it's the neighbor's elephants here we go (laughs) (laughs) it's all good i I can't i I live in a zoo i apologize i forgot to mention that when i volunteered for this (laughs) would you say it was a more of a circus you should, you know, you should set up your computer Maybe. over by the giraffes, and then you yeah. have this problem. So, right, they they just don't have vocal they, cords. Well, no, they do have uh, vocal cords, but I learned also 
quick intro or outro. Uh, <laughs> they make sounds, but their vocal cords are like nine feet long, so they vibrate at such a low frequency that humans can't hear them. Interesting. Carry on. Huh. Did you just make that up? Also, Elizabeth Olsen <laughs> is related to Mary Thanks. Kate and Ashley Olsen. You know, okay. just because you mix in a falsehood with the truth, you know, doesn't make the falsehood true. Also, if you take equal parts <laughs> frozen orange juice concentrate and jellied gasoline, you can make napalm. Okay, uh, we're we're not recommending you try that at home, kids. Uh, Kim, <laughs> please continue. <laughs> so the. Uh, but I really like how they're playing that, um, like, just the acting level and across mm. the board in this across episode. Across the board, yeah. It's just phenomenal. Like, I, I would not have expected this amount of acting from a streaming only kind of show, you know? like. Well, a quick point on that, too, is every episode they're tackling, like, a, a different sitcom with completely mm-hmm, different, mm-hmm. you know, emotions and different decades, different, different decades and styles and everything. So everyone They're in the show that. has to act different in each episode. It, and it's true. They change their style of acting for the decade of sitcom that they're dealing with. I mean, if you look at how Wanda was acting in the first couple episodes, I mean, that was I mean, just down to like the the way she modulates her voice and even like the uh-huh. sort of particular, you know, inflections of her accent. And you notice the difference like when she, you know, but like remember in the uh, the Brady Bunch house episode mm-hmm. uh, where she, you know, has the kids and she's talking to Monica Rambeau when she gets super serious and she's like, wait, no, you're 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 unwelcome here and I'm going to kick you out. She goes back even to her Sokovian accent slightly and she talks right. yeah. even just like the, the the like the the level of her voice and the tone of her voice sounds a lot more like she was in like Age of Ultron Civil War and and stuff whereas then when she goes yeah. back into it like you know her voice goes up a register and she's you know uh, you could tell the difference right am I I'm not imagining that No either. you're not and also I think on the opposite end of the scale Agnes really hasn't changed much. You know, she's kind of, I'm the crazy neighbor. And she's got that same kind of, you know, energy through. She's been locked. She's been locked into her role. Right. Right. But yeah, but I, but Mm -hmm. I think I interrupted you, Kim. And what you were saying. I don't know. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, that's, I do that all the time. Um, but yeah, but I mean, so, um, but you were talking, I think you were talking about like the, the, the level of acting that you, oh, yeah, you don't necessarily board. expect from a TV show, right? Exactly. And the fact that even Agnes, I mean, she's keeping that crazy, crazy neighbor, whatever, but it is changing per thing, you know, like you, you got like the, ooh, pot roast, whatever in the first one. And now it's like, <laughs> it's like, ooh, pop and, and <laughs> and like this episode, I think you really see that restrained nature kind of come out when she's well, we'll get there. But uh yeah. I, I yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, you know, for me, um I just think that this episode just peeled back the onion a bit more. You know, it definitely Oh yeah. Threw a wrench in some of the ideas that I had about what could be going on. And also maybe validated some ideas that I've that I've had, like, 
First of all, we have to talk about I mean, those are my those are my general impressions. I basically agree with what you guys are saying. But we really have to talk about uh, Peter Pietro, because, first of all, Mm. right off the bat in the in the themes like the in the recap for the episode, they show Aaron Taylor Johnson as Quicksilver in uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. And like, Uh look, any TV show that has to recast a role with a different actor there's no way they're showing you a recap with the old actor because they don't want you to think about the fact that they're recast. Mm-hmm. So the fact that uh-huh. they're doing this means that they want us to think about the fact that this is a different actor portraying somebody who's supposed to be the same person. Yeah, and even well, in last episode, was, uh, yeah. Darcy said she recast Pietro. Recast Pietro? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep. So they're drawing our attention to it. And like, look, obviously, this is Evan Peters who played Quicksilver in the Fox movies, right? In the Fox X-Men movies. But I don't actually think that it is him. Like, it may be his body, maybe who whatever character is behind this and is trying to exploit or manipulate Wanda is like possessing him or something. But I don't think he he's not actually acting like that character from the Fox universe. I, like, I really don't think that he is. Interesting. Like, you know, so her actual brother from this universe is dead. We know that. And, you know, she had this conversation about her kids, about how, you know, you don't bring people back to life. So it's kind of, you know, I think maybe it's implied there that she <laughs> can't actually bring people like back to life, like legit. And there's still a lot of questions about, what's going on with vision and how he's back. And we're going to, you know, talk about that. But I think, you know, an explanation could be that Mephisto or whatever character is behind this, you know, saw this opening in the previous episode to distract her and sort of insert himself into the mix. And he did that by grabbing a version of her brother from the multiverse. Right. And maybe possessing. Mm. That's my working theory, because if I may lay out a couple pieces of evidence Mm -hmm. uh, and we can discuss. So when when he tells that, like, kind of funny story about, like, Halloween in Sokovia, where the woman gives them a herring or whatever. Yeah. um, Like she says, wait, that's not how I remember it. And then he deflects. He he's eager to, like, spend time with the kids and get vision out of the way. When Wanda is, like, testing him, she's, like, she's asking him about, oh, remember that kid from the past with the weird head or whatever she says? He goes, you're testing me. But then he doesn't answer the question. Right. And he goes, he goes, hey, it's cool. I know I look different. And she says, yeah, why is that? And he says, you tell me. If I'd found Shangri-La, I wouldn't want to be reminded of the past either. So he's, like, helping her rationalize what's going on. And at the same time, he's, like, completely aware of the fact that this is like a reality that has been constructed and things are are different, right? Right. Um, and there's all these other like little clues that I think point to the fact that not only is he not who he purports to be, and and he's not even Peter from the Fox universe. Um, at least that's not who's in control of this body, right? Um, like, okay, he... The very first thing he says, I think, or the, maybe the second thing he says in the last episode is, uh, what does he say? 
he says, uh, do I get to squeeze my stinking sister to death or what? Like, I feel like there's this like underlying, like passive aggressive hostility underneath the surface for him. When he's dealing with her, he when he's playing with the kids, he like mimes stabbing them in the face and makes the psycho uh, <laughs> screech sound. Right. He doesn't remember uh, Tommy's name. Uh, he mixes up their names because uh, he doesn't care, I assume. Sure. He scares her with that face after Vision leaves the house. And as you pointed out in the watch along, it was like she was a little bit overreacting. But at the same time, on like a meta level, like... It's kind maybe of a she's not. weird, maybe not, right? Because I think that uh-huh. through this whole episode, she's like the fact that he's so different is kind of fucking with her. I, I really think that that's the case. Um, uh-huh. He is a bad influence on the kids. Like he helps them steal everybody's candy and they like smash all those jack-o'-lanterns. Um, and then just spray everyone with silly string. Yep, yep. Ten. All the silly, <laughs> all the silly string in the town. Ten cases. Yeah. He deflects her question about his accent. Every time she asks him a question that would be like substantive, he deflects it. He says, uh, this is like a Mephisto reference, unleash hell, demon spawn, when he says that. So not only is it just the fact that he says hell and demon, like in the comics, her kids were, Billy and Tommy in the comics were created from fragments of his soul, basically. Uh, Mephisto's soul. So they are literally demon spawn in the comics. So I like, there's just too many of these like devil demon hell references for me to think that Mephisto couldn't be involved at this point. Like if he's not involved, they are trolling us hard. Um, (laughs) You know, Um, then when they sit on the, 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 the bales of hay, I can't speak sometimes. Um, first, he says, uh, Westview, New Jersey, charming as hell. And then they get into this conversation where, you know, he's helping her again rationalize what's going on. Like he asks her, he goes, where were you hiding these kids up until now? And he's like, and she, and then she starts to get uncomfortable. And he's like, no, I didn't. But I, but I didn't. It's not. And he's like, he's like, it's cool. He's like, you know, you probably didn't want to traumatize the kids beyond the occasional holiday episode cameo right and then he says uh don't get me wrong you've handled the ethical considerations of the scenario as best you could and then he like describes how the hex has like changed stuff but it's like okay and she and she's like you don't think that's wrong and he goes you're kidding i'm impressed and that's when he starts asking her like how she did it and he's Uh like i'm not some stranger i'm not your husband you can talk to me so all of, you know, I like that was a lot of that was verbatim because I actually went through and wrote it down. Um, but the thing, ah, but the thing, a nerd. Yeah, I know <laughs> I totally am. But like the thing is, um, he is so 100 percent aware of what's going on and right. he's deflecting. He's the only one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's totally deflecting when she wants to learn about him and like how he's different. But then he's like trying to like get information from her about how she did this and he's super interested in the kids. So all is that all that is just to say that I don't think he's actually Peter. I don't think he's even actually Quicksilver from the Fox universe even if he's using his form somehow. Right? Okay. Like I feel like it is a multiverse connection. It kind of has to be. Otherwise, again, they're just trolling us really hard, and that doesn't seem to be the MCU way. 
Um, no. You know what I mean? So, so like, what's your what's your take on this, Kim? And then we'll get to Jess. Pedro, when he first came in, seemed to be like a kind of what you were saying, like an outside something that completely took Wanda by surprise. Like, I think she's gotten to the point now where she kind of understands what she's doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not 100 mm-hmm. percent. Um, like, I don't know that she could do it again if she need. you know, like, I think if she, all of this ended. Yeah, I think somehow it happened. She doesn't remember. But then, like, once she kind of figured out. Like something was going on. She now she's just rolling with it. I feel like, Ex- yeah. And I think she's kind of in her own head figuring out how to control things. Like when the beekeeper came up through the thing, and she said no. Like I think she's cognizant enough to understand now, kind of how to control things, at least within the dome. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she came outside the dome, you know, to go talk to Haywood or whatever his name was. Um, so. We know that she's cognizant enough to realize that people are outside of it, too. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this one person came in that she didn't know that surprised her and seems to know far more than he should about what's going on, mm-hmm. I, I, I think it lines up with your theory. I don't know the comics well enough to know who <laughs> Mephisto is. <laughs> well, you know, the, but... the thing about the co- the co- comics connection, if I may, is that, you know, uh, so many times they use elements from the comics, but it's never like a a retelling of the 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 full plot of the comics. You know what I mean? So right. it's, it's more like references and nods here and there and maybe an homage or, you know, something like that. Uh, but uh, I interrupted you once again. They make it more interesting than just doing a straight retelling of whatever's yes. been drawn previously. Well, like, what's the point and of I doing really it, appreciate like, it. you know, exactly the same story the way it was told before? I don't think there's a big point to that. Yeah. Right. And, like, for somebody who's coming at this fresh, I don't know any of that. And so, for me, having that story retold, it could be interesting. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you could just do it the way they've been doing it, which I think is a really smart way from... Uh, keeping people entertained like they pull in enough to make the comic book nerds go oh my god it's Mephisto but <laughs> the rest of us are just like huh yeah that's weird what the I wonder who this guy on? is <laughs> exactly so Jess what's your take on this you know theory I have about uh, Pietro um, you mentioned earlier that he wasn't the Pietro from uh, the Sony X-Men franchise, but I think he's acting more along the lines of that character because that character... Personality-wise, yes. Yeah, personality-wise, he's acting because he was a goofy kind of a, you know, um, what do you call it? A, a guy that plays tricks rascal. on people. A rascal. A wascally wabbit. And, uh, you know, when he was running, you know... And, his fast mode and everyone else was in slow time. He'd kind of screw with them and like screw up their glasses or turn their hat around and stuff like that. And that, that falls in line with uh, the Pietro we see in WandaVision. So it, it is weird that she recast Pietro as the guy from the X-Men because he doesn't act at all like the one from, you know, age of Ultron and stuff. Cause he wasn't uh much of a jokester. He, he, his personality does seem a bit different, I guess. Uh, but we honestly didn't see that much of Pietro in Age of Ultron. Right, but he wasn't. He wasn't at all the way we. He was know, a little Pietro. snarky, though. He was snarky. I'm a little snarky. That doesn't mean I can run fast. 
<laughs> anyway, but um, no, uh, <laughs> that was stupid. Um, your snark compelled you. <laughs> uh, no, I think it it is really strange, and I think I read uh, an article. I can't remember where, but they said they Wanda brought the Evan Peters Quicksilver in because it was less of a trigger to her. That's one theory I've heard, but I think it's, that's a theory. I think it is more along the line that when there was a knock at the door and Pietro showed up in the last episode, everyone expected Agnes, even Wanda expected Agnes. And it is, he did kind of throw his appearance through Wanda off her balance. And that's what we're seeing in this episode. She's just kind of off balance and, we're seeing her deal with kind of everyone, uh, like Kim said, everyone's acting different and Wanda's kind of picking up on it. Um, and she's realizing that maybe she's not totally in control. And I don't also- know about that, though. What, like what what moment would you cite that makes you think that she's realizing she's not in control? That's what I'm curious about. Well, I mean, every conversation she has with Pietro throughout, I mean, she's. Like, uh, I can't remember which. Well, she one doesn't seem to be in control of the topic when they're talking. <laughs> That's for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. but she's in control well, of everything when she's talking to everybody else throughout the season up until. Well, this she episode. doesn't. Yeah, he's not catering to her every whim the way that like all the supporting characters are. Is that kind of what you're saying? Well, kind of. In the scene where you know all the kids with the Halloween and the the smashing of the pumpkins and stuff. And the one neighbor, the black guy, he's like talking to her and he's like, do you need some, do you need to, do you need something to change? Herb. Yeah. And yeah, Herb. And she's like, what? And that kind of caught her off guard. And he was talking, do you need, do you need us to change something or do something different? You know, I think she is made very uncomfortable by. You know, when it it comes, it becomes very apparent that, like, these people are all kind of being controlled for her benefit. Like, she wants to enjoy this idyllic, you know, suburban life or whatever. But, like, when she's forced to think about what the cost is, basically, she gets really uncomfortable. And so I think she still is kind of, um, I don't know if in denial is the right word, but she's still kind of, like, trying not to think about that part of it, I think. Well, I think what it is is it started from her being in denial and in grief. And each episode, we're watching her learn more about that. And she's coming more to terms with it. And everybody else is coming to understand it as well. You know, like that that scene with Herb, he's like, do you... Do you want us to change? Or the last episode where Agnes was like, oh, should we should we do that again? Should we take it from the top? You know, it's like yeah. everyone else is kind of coming to terms and understanding that they are being controlled by her. And she's coming to terms with the fact that she's controlling them. So the as she learns about it, everyone else is learning about it at the same pace, but from the opposite angle. That's interesting. I, it just seems like there and are certain make- characters who are more aware than others. Sorry, what were you going to say, Kim? 
That would make sense considering she's the one controlling them, that everybody would kind of be on the same level Mm -hmm. as far as understanding what's happening. But I think the ones that are closer to her and have more primary role in the show Mm. are getting the most aware. Yeah. Because Herb and Agnes previously had that scene where they were not telling Vision, but telling Vision. Yeah, and Um, they were kind of talking on their own over by that wall, too. Exactly. So So I think... Because of their more central place, that's why they're getting more commentary. Like, hey, do yeah. you want me to change something? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but that that is really interesting. I, I think you're probably on to something there, Jess. Um, so um, well, any well, other I, thoughts about Peter before we move on to another topic? Uh, no, but I would like to instigate another topic. <laughs> Please, instigate away. Um, speaking of uh, Wanda's control over the town... And her influence. What do we feel about that scene where we go to the outer edges of the town and everyone's just kind of standing there and motionless? What does how do we relate Wanda's power and control to the outer limits of town and why did it happen like that? Your thoughts, Kim? I'm thinking she has. Either it's always been like that and we just hadn't seen it, or she only has the ability to control individual actions so much without having them be kind of on autopilot that once it gets out to the further limits of her reach, that that power is just kind of waned, that they she can't control them to do things, but she still has them under control. Enough to, like, if she needed to go to that part of town, they would do something. But until she does a time jump, I don't think they do anything. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's... But how in the world is she keeping them alive, now that I think about it? Keeping them alive? (laughs) If they're just standing there, like, for long periods of time? Yeah. Like, are they just standing there for days at a crack? Like, you know, or is this just all in one evening? Um, I think think you're probably about right, because, you know, if we assume that that Wanda is really setting all these, you know, people on some kind of program every day, right, or somehow controlling them, I think it makes sense that she only has, like, so much bandwidth to control people uh, you know, very specifically Specific and then we're out towards yeah. the edges where she is not and where she doesn't realize vision is right. She's just not putting as much attention into those people. So she, you know, she sets them like on a loop or whatever. And then, and then that's it. Um, so I think you're probably right. Do you have a, do you have a different, uh, theory, Jess? I think it's just basically, you know, she has so much power to control the entire town and you know she was basically the cruise director for the the Halloween festivities in the town center. And that, so, by the way, is the most people that have been in one place at a time that we've seen so far in the right. Town. So you that know? that Maybe could be it. She it she can you know control only so much, and all of her focus was on the center of town and all the festivities going on there. So. Everyone was dressed up and in costume on the outer edges of town. But like Kim said, maybe when her focus went to that area, then they would become more animated. But until then, they're just like automatons waiting for their programming. Yeah. 
it was it was kind of heartbreaking, really, when Vision was walking through and, you know, uh-huh. he's he's slowly getting more and more disturbed by what he's seeing. And he looks over and that lady's like stuck in a loop and she's trying to hang up that decoration and a little tear comes out of her eye. And, you know, her husband or whoever behind her, like, keeps putting picking up and putting down the the it was like a pumpkin decoration or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it was it's kind of heartbreaking. And, you know. This, I think, is why Vision tried so hard, uh, partially why Vision tried so hard to escape the Hex. And what he said, I mean, his last words of the episode were help the people or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, He's very concerned about what's happening to the people that are inside because he understands what Wanda can do to an extent. But doesn't know how to free them without it. Well, that's after the scene where he meets Agnes. I don't think we should skip by that. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we're already skipping all over the place. But, I mean, but, you know, um, he does have that whole scene with Agnes, which is super creepy. And, you know, I think that's the moment when he really decides that this is, like, really bad, you know. I mean, I think he was pretty disturbed after uh, that scene at work in the last episode or whatever where he uh, undoes the mind fuck of his his friend at work. But, like, now Agnes tells him, you know, Wanda won't even let us think about leaving, you know. Uh So that – I think that brings it to a whole new level with Vision. And now – and like she said, you know, oh, my God, are you here to help us? And he said, yes, I'm Vision, and I, I, I want to help you. And I, he really does because even, you know, we, we're going to talk a little bit more about Vision in, in a minute. But um, whatever the deal is with Vision and why he's alive and all of that, like, I think that he's still, you know, he's still – he still has the qualities of the Vision that we know and the personality in that, like, he's a good person and he want, he's going to want to help them. Um, and so I right. think that and really even, fed... even if he was a construct of Wanda, I mean, that's why she loved him because of who he was. So she would recreate him right. absolutely in that, well, of that course. same in that same illusion. Exactly. And which is also why I think he would have free will in this, you know, hex reality where so many people are basically their free will is subordinated to Wanda's, you know, wants and needs. Um, but like, I think that th- that interaction he had with Agnes on top of everything else that he's learned is partially why he was so keen on getting out and, and, you know, calling for help because he is a hero. I mean, that's the kind of guy that he is. He's that guy as Bruce Willis would say from Die Hard. And Wanda is so much more different. Like she's, she wants to be a hero, but she is broken yeah, and she's grieving and like with the and she's had all gosh, of three weeks to deal with it, if you think about it. Right. Because she watched what? her husband die twice. Uh, she did uh-huh. it once. And then she got blipped away. She came back. And supposedly the show happens like three weeks later, basically. Right. So. Exactly. So she's still very fresh in her grief. And I think it's a really interesting commentary on the pain of personal grief versus the pain of a like large scale I've done something terrible kind of grief mm. because when she um destroyed that building in uh oh Lagos what, what yeah in Lagos and everybody was like oh it's your 
it's not your fault. It's okay. And she was just so down on herself. Like, even then, she didn't go to this level of just off-the-wall power. And it took that kind of personal heartbreak and grief to get her to tap into powers she didn't even understand that she could do. It's yeah, I mean that kind of grief is just devastating and we're seeing the effects of it, you know. Um I really like how they've they're kind of encapsulating that in this story that it's superheroes but it's all always human. Well, the, you know, the thing that I've face. talked about uh before with the MCU in general is they do such a great job and you know, I've also heard uh the the various filmmakers kind of talking about this and Kevin Feige like they make such an effort successfully I think to imbue these movies and shows now with an emotional realism because look yes. i mean so many of the things that they're portraying are like just like ridiculous and so like uh-huh. unrealistic like magic you know aliens the hulk you know all this stuff right thor but when you give the characters emotionally realistic stuff to go through that's what keeps you uh you know that's what keeps you like in the story without just being it becoming like a you know like a campy like you know um b movie basically if that makes sense right so i think not the flash going around and saving the world it's there's actual real consequences for everybody involved it's not just there's thousands of people dying yeah and those personal pains are, are what keep us as watchers and, and uh, listeners engaged in whatever story is happening. Yeah. I, I think it's a big part of the MCU's overall success, um, personally. Yeah. But, um, you know, since we're talking about this scene in Vision, there is some crazy stuff that I don't think mm-hmm. – I have not heard a lot of people online, you know, in podcasts and shows on YouTube really talking about – Okay, so what I'm speaking of specifically is how the F does Vision have Mind Stone powers? Okay, when, of course, the Mind Stone was destroyed and, you know, Vision is alive in this hex, at least, because when he tried to get out of the hex and he was, you know, he really did want to get out. It wasn't too long before, you know, the Hex was pulling, like, pieces of him back in and his body basically collapsed into a wrecked version of itself that didn't look too unlike the way that he looked at the end of Infinity War, frankly. Mm-hmm. And so so the question then becomes, you know, how is Vision alive uh, and why, you know, how does he have the mind – and, like, what does this have to do with the Mind Stone and how does he have his Mind Stone powers – Right. And free will and all of this. And I think part of it is that, like, if Wanda was going to bring him back somehow, she would obviously make him the vision that she knows. And that includes, you know, his Mind Stone being on his head and him having the same personality and stuff. But that doesn't explain him having Mind Stone powers, I don't think. You know, and I have, you know, we previously talked on this show about how, like, I don't think she can just, like, create mind, like, infinity stones you know willy-nilly like as powerful as she is however i do have a theory that that could explain this but i really want to hear 
what your guys' thoughts are on it first, because it's kind of a conundrum. Um, can we start with Jess on this? Well, I think as long as he's within the hex, he's created by Wanda in, you know, you know, Wanda's vision of vision. And therefore, he would have the powers, like we've seen before, how he could fly and how he was, he had super strength. So he's had those powers all along because that's the way he was created by Wanda because she, re, you know, recreated him in basically the exact uh, form we know him from. So you're so, just saying uh, simply, you know, basically that uh, Wanda's magic did it. Well, yeah, within the hex, because when he steps right, outside, right. he doesn't have much uh, going for him in the ways of powers. As we see, he basically just starts uh, breaking well, apart yeah. uh, Dr. Tetris style. Okay. Kim, what's what's your what's your thoughts on, on this? I, I would kind of agree with that. Basically, the Mind Stone powers exist, all of his powers himself even, only seem to exist in the Hex. And I I think she's just doing her best to make him be able to do what he can do. Yeah. But I don't think it's going to apply to the real world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's actually a very plausible explanation. Uh, but... <laughs> Here we go. I got a big theory, and I, I want Wormholes! <laughs> I like <laughs> right, right. big butts, and I cannot lie. Um, <laughs> see, let me break out my gif of uh, Charlie from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia with the... <laughs> all the conspiracy strings. theory wall with the strings and all yeah. that. No, no, no. Um, here, here's what I think is something that could be possible because I'm also trying to incorporate things that I've seen from the trailers that have not happened yet because I can't ignore uh... it. So there's like this part of one of the trailers where you see like the mind stone and it almost looks like it's like imploding or like coming together, coalescing or something out of the air. And like, I don't know, like Wanda tries to touch it. There's like a pulse of power out of it or something. So here's what I think is a possibility. All right. And of course, I'd love to spin this tinfoil. Um, so first of all, you know, I think it's pretty definitive now that like Wanda or sorry, that Vision really can only exist inside the hex. You know, he, he left the hex and he basically it looks like he was dying again. You know, right. pieces of him came off. He like... You know, he his his uh, bright colors sort of faded, you know, and he he fell down. So what I'm thinking is, you know, after Wanda took his body, things happened. Uh, the hex was created, and she kind of, you know, uh, created this new version of Vision out of his remains in a way. Now, I still don't believe that Wanda has the power to just, like, create inf fully functional Infinity Stones from scratch. I don't believe that. However, if you look at the way the Infinity Stones are described in the MCU... this I'm going deep, guys. I'm going mm -hmm. deep. Uh, <laughs> the Collector, the way he explained it was something like... You know, after, uh, you know, at the beginning of time, after the Big Bang, all this energy coalesced into concentrated ingots, which, you know, we then called the Infinity Stones. So I think there's a possibility that when Thanos destroyed the stones with the stones, he just dispersed all their energy back into the universe. 
it's still there. Energy can be neither created nor destroyed, blah, blah, blah. Right, right. And so it, it's possible that Wanda didn't create the Mind Stone, but she helped it re-coalesce into a stone. And the uh, interplay between her magic, which is extremely powerful, and then the Mind Stone, its reconcentrated power, is basically what created the Hex put the whammy on all these people's minds that are inside of it and helped her recreate vision. This can also explain why he's got the mind stone in his head on his recreated self and why he has these mind stone powers. Uh, and you know, why, you know, frankly he has, um, partially why he's, you know, got the free will and he's not, you know, as affected by Wanda's. So you're saying that Wanda has captured the energy of the Mind Stone herself. I'm saying she helped the Mind Stone reform and then the interplay between its power and her power created the Hex and brought back Vision. But yet that power is still limited to the interior of the Hex. So, like, that's why Vision can't leave. You you know what I mean? Because Mm. his body is not whole. He's not. I mean, that body is dead. Whatever is sustaining him and allowing him to live and be conscious is, you know, the interplay of her magic and the Mind Stone, like, inside the Hex. Like, that is a theory that I have. I declare shenanigans. (laughs) You declare. (laughs) You think that's BS? I, that's, you said you're going deep and you went way out in left field at the same time. But uh, <laughs> you of the three of us have most of a knowledge and a connection to the comics and the lore and the canon. So I think you might be pulling this from some hidden uh, secret Place where box. the sun don't shine. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Out of one's place where the sun don't shine. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know uh, where you got such information. Who's your source? So. <laughs> yeah, Kim. So I I kind of like the idea of there being at least a speck of Mind Stone power. Mm -hmm. Um, I I hesitate to say that she coalesced all of it into Vision, but I could see there being some like, oh, a a fragment of the Mind Stone was... Like maybe it left a remnant inside his body or something. Yeah, something like that. I could see like she had enough of a little taste of it to be able to do the thing that she did. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think she's going to have the ability. And it left a trace of the itself and her, too, one might assume, right? Okay. Because, sure. in, yeah. you know, it was it, the, the Hydra used it to, like, unlock her and her brother's powers is, is the idea, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, so, so I mean, look, I, I don't oh. know. Oh, oh. Oh, so the Hydra used the Mind Stone to help unlock Brother's powers. Maybe that's part of the reason Petro is able to come back, even though he's from a different universe. Yeah, yeah. See, there's a lot going on. And this also plays into my theory about Peter, uh, Pietro, right? Because, see, as we've already mentioned, like, I I really think that he is Mephisto or whatever this other character is that's, like, partially manipulating things, wants something from Wanda. I think probably wants the kids. But maybe that's part of the reason he's able to do those things. If he's connected via the Mind Stone and Vision has the ability and he has the Mind Stone, maybe if that's the connecting point, that's why he gets the... Yeah. 
See, I've, I've really wondered if, about this because what if what Mephisto if... is masquerading as Vision all along? I don't think he's masquerading as Vision. <laughs> he could be masquerading as Peter. Pedro. And that's good. Well, they have to do a Scooby Doo episode, and someone's going to have to pull off the mask. <laughs> And who's going to be beneath it? Oh, that snarky old Mephisto. I kind of wish they would do a Scooby-Doo episode now that you mention it. <laughs> They've been so smart about these Zoinks. to to sitcom. But like this kind of plays into my theory about Peter slash Mephisto, too, because... My, you know, my understanding has has evolved, you know, as has everyone's, the more this show reveals. And originally I was like, did Wanda create the hex or was it created? And, you know, she was put inside of it and has wrested some control of it. I mean, I think that she did create it now, possibly with like, you know, joint session with Mindstone or whatever. But this other character, this Peter Mephisto or whoever it is, Nightmare, who knows? I think maybe he noticed that this is happening and is trying to capitalize on it in some way, exploit Wanda, get her children to steal their magic or, you know, whatever it is like, cause he's there asking her how she did it. Right. So whoever that character really is and whatever his real agenda is, I think that that was a question he really did want the answer to, you know, and you know, he probably wants this power. And it also occurred to me like, have you guys ever considered that the Infinity Stones, when they were destroyed, I mean, there's going to be fallout from that. And what if, you know, the Mind Stone or some other stone or something was like used in the past to trap some powerful character who's now out, you know, like Mephisto or something Adam like that. Adam Warlock. Like I, well, no, Adam Warlock was being created in that pod. Uh, at the end of now. Guardians Volume 2. But no, look, look, I th- I am really pulling this from a place where the sun don't shine. I have no idea, but like, you know, do you think it's even plausible or is that really a stretch too far? Uh, I don't know. Fucking comic book series. Of course it's plausible. Yeah, it's, <laughs> do you guys think yeah. this really happened? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Kim's nailed it. Anything oh, I've got relatives from happen, Wakanda. Absolutely. But they do take a lot of the stuff from the comics and they take it and uh, do a left turn with it because they, uh-huh. they want to keep it kind of close to the original storyline, but then throw in a curveball to, you know, wow all of us, you know, comic fans or not. So I don't know really what, what could happen. But yeah. I don't know, like, with the Infinity Stones being destroyed, I do agree that the energy isn't really destroyed. It's got to go somewhere, but I don't know how I feel about that, because then that just opens up a whole new thing. Like, oh, now we're going to start getting all the Infinity Stones back, and then we're going to have another Infinity War. I mean, I don't think that that will again. happen. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but I think that, you know, you can't ignore the fact that the Mind Stone could be connected to what's happening, especially considering it's on Vision's head and he's using Mind Stone powers. And we saw the Mind Stone in one of the trailers. Like, I can't just throw out the possibility. But he's also within the Hex, which means he's in Fantasyland. True, exactly. But, you know, I guess could we'll be, see. So maybe just, she's the Wizard of Oz, you know? <laughs> I just want and to we just um, see who's behind the curtain. I just want to mention one uh, little thing and then uh, go into another topic before we uh, start to wrap up. 
which is the kick-ass comment that they made where they said it twice yeah and i thought that was such a great reference because both evan peters and aaron taylor johnson both quicksilvers were in the movie kick-ass and you might forget that evan peters was in that because he was not the main character but in fact that he was in it too so i i didn't even recognize him because isn't he his best friend yeah i think he is in the movie yeah he was younger. Yeah. He had, you know, he's little younger and a little pudgier. He had the little baby chub still because they were. I think they were like literally like you know young teenagers in that movie. Oh, um, he was. But he was ass kicker. The friend. <laughs> no, I just pulled it up on IMDb and Kickass Evan Peters played ass kicker. Oh, okay. But Clark Duke was the one that played his friend. That's who I was thinking. Oh, okay. So I, see. I don't really know. Who Ask Kicker was. Well, I haven't seen it in a really long time either, but I do know they were both in it, um, and that's easy to look up online. But it just goes to show how meta this show really is. I mean, it's down to comments that, like, even the the characters outside the Hex are making. Like, Hayward and uh, uh, Agent Wu are constantly making meta references to the point where one of my uh, biggest laughs I got this episode was when... They were talking in the like the sword headquarters mm-hmm. and uh-huh. then Hayward said something like, and OK, and who's the who's the sassy best friend? And then Jimmy Woo like elbows his way in and he's like starts like, you know, saying you something. can't but it talk was totally, about your employees. He was like totally that. the sassy best friend. <laughs> Can we stop for a moment and talk about the three of them. No. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're. I absolutely love how they're turning into like the we're actually going to figure out what's Dude, happening. They're in, the in... Scooby Doo gang. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> they are. You're right, and they probably will unmask someone. <laughs> they will. The <laughs> oh my god, that's. We just need. Oh. Uh, oh, oh, what was the name of the cat? The the oh. Scooby, what? The cat from no. Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Oh. <laughs> uh... It was a different name in the movies than in the comics. Uh, they called him. They named him after the guy from Top Gun. What was him? Oh, oh, it wasn't Ace Goose. Goose. Was it Goose? Yeah, it was, was Goose. Was it Goose? <laughs> yeah, I, they just, I could they just need Goose, just right? <laughs> they just need Goose, and then that's their Scooby. That's their and Scooby. yeah, <laughs> that's their Scooby. It's a different type of Scooby snack, though. Let's be what? honest. Why not Rocket? Well, I mean, it's the market. He's like, I'm not yeah, a dog. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Uh, so, think, but you're I right, think we and just, like, I they're... think we just figured it all out. You know, they're there trying to, like, resolve the issue, and Hayward's there like, I want to nuke Wanda and, like, get Vision's body back so I can turn it into a drone weapon or something. Like, that. Like I think that Hayward's agenda was uh, closer to being revealed in this episode, right? I agree. I, I think he definitely is after Vision and just wants to stop Wanda. Because he can't control her, but yeah. Vision's an automaton. Yeah, he theory. just doesn't really have a good idea of how to stop Wanda. And he, you know, he defaults to the, like, you know, I'll try and use force, which is, like, the stupid thing to do, right? Uh, exactly. And, I mean, it's been proven time and again his own murder squad almost murdered him. <laughs> right. I love Darcy that, so That was funny when he's like, do you work Do, do you work for me? And she's like, I'm actually not sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then he kicks them I'm out. Just here. 
But they go and uh, they sneak back in and they, you know, Darcy hacks in to the computer. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but right before Monica left to meet her, like her guy, aerospace engineer who can, you know, give them something to let them into the hex without getting transmogrified. Like and that's a whole other question about who that that person is. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like some people are like, oh, it's it's Reed Richards. Some people are like, oh, no, it's got to be uh, Hank Pym. I think it might actually be Hank Pym. Um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, he shows up and, like, Ant-Man shows up or something. That, that could, that could happen. Um, mm. but I actually don't know. Um, do you have thoughts on this, Kim? I, that would make a lot of sense. Is Hank canonically alive? I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end uh, of Wasp. uh, damn it. What's the actor's name? Um, Michael Douglas. Douglas. Yeah, because him and his wife, newly retrieved from the quantum realm, were at the funeral of Tony Stark at the end of Endgame. Oh, that's right. Okay. Wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. Whose funeral? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You heard it. You're telling me that Iron Man died? Spoilers, folks. Spoilers. Oh, my God. ah! So, um, So it's possible. I mean, he's got, you know, access to the type of tech that one imagines could penetrate the boundary or deal with it in some way, right? So it's possible. Possible. Yeah, I mean, if you went small enough, I suppose you could theoretically just fit through the molecular whatever's building Yeah, go between the static or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Not a fan. So so anyway, there's, you know, there's a lot of speculation about who that could be. I mean, I don't, I don't really, I I don't think that it's Reed Richards, though, from the Fantastic Four. I really don't. Is it the thing? I don't think it's any of the Fantastic Four. Is it Johnny? Is it Johnny Flame? Is that his name? Played Moving by on. played by Chris Evans. <laughs> I hope he no, comes I mean, back to play Johnny Flame. Um, but I mean, I really I thought it was awesome how um, uh, Agent Wu and and uh, Monica kicked some butt. Who? Um, and uh, I thought, so I don't know if you guys noticed, this is what I was trying to get to before I started getting trolled uh, by my co-host. But um, when Darcy was hacking in, after the other two left, because she was like, no, I got to stay because like, I know he's still hiding something behind this last firewall. She found some files about Operation Cataract, and she actually emailed the attachment to Jimmy Woo before Woo. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had she had to go or she got captured or whatever or before she saw that Vision was coming to the boundary and she ran out. So, like, you know, I have a feeling that Operation Cataract is what Hayward was doing with Vision's remains. Like, that's that's my theory. Funny how they use Cataract when his name is Vision. Well, I uh... made that connection because, A, that's what Hayward seems to be interested in, and, B, like, if you look at Vision's eyes, they kind of look like he has big cataracts when he's dead. Um, All right. You know... The military and their code names. <laughs> Pretty um, clever. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys have any theories so on you this or thoughts on Um No, I wasn't. Uh... Yeah, I was wondering if she actually, if Darcy had actually had time to uncover what she was hoping to uncover after uh, Wu and Rambo left. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was very, it was almost like blink and you miss it, but she got through, Mm -hmm. she found that file about Operation Cataract or Project Cataract or whatever, and then she emailed it to to Jimmy Wu. Like, you could see it if you look close. Hmm. Um, I don't think think that she actually figured out what it was in that three seconds, but she just sent it. She just gained access. And a good thing since, you know, Can I just say, though, that... 
Sorry. From a security standpoint, this amazing infrastructure that they have set up is incredibly easy to hack, and you should not be able to email something like that to some <laughs> Right? Outside. You can't just attach it and forward it yeah. out to the internet, right? Sent that's, from that's my not iPhone. how these secure files work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like... Yeah. So I'm just going to. Yeah. Agree. Hard agree. Um, So, okay. So the last major topic before we wrap up is we got to talk about that commercial, that animated claymation, like 90s style commercial or, you know, so that was magic. (laughs) First of all, very stylistically, like so many commercials I saw in the 90s. Right. Right. Um, Claymation. But it was. It was very different than all of the other commercials that have happened so far in WandaVision because, you know, if you think about it, the commercials that have played before this were all reflective of Wanda's trauma. You know, the Stark toaster was like the bomb that she talked about in Age of Ultron where uh-huh. they had just had to watch it and hope that it didn't explode. Uh, and one of those killed her parents. The Hydra soap was kind of like the brainwashing, right? The the uh, paper towel commercial was reflective of her mistake at Lagos because it was like Lagos paper towels. Uh, and the watch mm-hmm. was Strucker. So that was, you know, the scientist at Hydra that uh, that captured them and, you know, brainwashed them and traumatized them. Um, but now it was about a little kid who was dressed very much like Billy uh, in his colors and it was a shark telling him that he feeds on yo magic. So I think in a way, this commercial is really telling us what the show is about in a sense. And it's 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 kind of getting to things that have been under the surface so far. So like if I were to extrapolate from this. The wild. lava girl and shark boy are going to come to the rescue. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> where I was going with it. Oh, uh, good. I figured something out, finally. (laughs) No, but I think whoever this figure is, this Mephisto character who is impersonating Pietro, I think his goal is to feed on their magic, and he probably wants the kids. And he, you know, is perfectly happy to feed on them until they die. Like, that is what that commercial says to me. But, like, what are your guys' impressions? Jess? Um... I don't know a lot about Mephisto in the comics. I never uh, went down that particular alleyway, so I'm really not familiar with his powers or yeah, but I his. Mean... I mean, it could be. I like I said, I'm not sure. I don't know who Mephisto is or what he wants. So why would he want? Uh, well, I don't Wanda. know what he wants in the MCU, or even if it, if it is Mephisto. I'm just saying that from this commercial. I feel like that shark kind of represents whoever is impersonating Pietro and it seems pretty clear that he's saying I feed on yo magic that right. no, that's kind that. of what's going on, right? I get that, sure. but But the kid's not able to open the package. Like mm-hmm. does not being able to unleash your powers lead you to death in this instance? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, to to me um, you know, like, I don't know how to analyze that part of it, but I just feel like that it, it is that is the doing of the shark character. That's kind of like what I took away from it. I, I read something about it where um, basically what happens to the kid on the island is the same thing that happens to Vision uh, at the end of the episode. It's like, even though well, he he's, he's, away, right? he's got the magic, but he still dies. 
you know. Magic in me. I got the magic in me. Because when he leaves the hex, he starts to decay. So I don't know. I don't know. And I, I, I mean, I, I don't know uh, but when you about guys watched either. it, but when you guys watched this commercial, though, did it like, did it feel creepy it was really to you? Jarring. It was, oh, it was, yeah. it was a very dark, uh, you know, first of all, there's a kid starving on an island for starters. Like they went there. Yeah. <laughs> right. Know? And then like the normal commercial would be like, he opens it and it's like an amazing experience. But yeah. That's and he not... gets on his surfboard and cowabungas into the sunset. But in uh-huh. this one, he can't. You know, sometimes they don't have the seal or the the cut on that foil just right, so you can't get your nail under it, and you can't peel back that that thing and get to the magic yogurt. What the nails on that kid were really creepy. Like rest of it was creepy too, but like specifically the fingernails. I wasn't paying attention. It was a uh, it was a close up on his uh, hand with a fingernail on his thumb there. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, it was just mm, weird. Weird detail. I, I just I was just very like sort of disturbed by the whole commercial because it's ostensibly in this like bright, colorful, like claymation style with, you know, like, you know, California raisins music. Right. Yeah. But like the kid is starving on a deserted island. Right. And then a nasty looking shark comes up. Well, he's not nasty. He's got sunglasses and a surfboard. Well, he's thre- he's a shark with he's sharp radical. And he gives the kid food and then, you know, swims off. He's a he's a friendly shark. But then we watch the kid not eat and then it's basically the end scene of uh, uh Indiana Jones and the Ark, the Ark one. Ark, yeah. When they melt. Yeah, the end where oh, the, yeah. the Ark of the Covenant <laughs> okay. and the, the guy melts. It's kind of like what we see. This kid just like, his eyeballs just suck into his face and his cheeks get sucked in. And he just like, and dries up and, and dies. And skull. Yeah. 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 I, it just gave me such a sense of dread because I feel like if, you know, even if I'm wrong about like a lot of the details, I feel like it's foreshadowing that like this figure is after the kids and he does not wish them well, you know. Uh-huh. And that may perhaps something bad is going to happen to the kids. And and let's face it, if something happens to those kids, if they get taken from Wanda, if one of them dies, you know, something, you think it's been bad so far? <laughs> you think Wanda has been flexing her magic muscles so far? Oh, it ain't going to be pretty, you know. Well, speaking of the kids too, I mean, we saw them both uh get their powers, quote-unquote, in right. this episode. And one of them has the powers of Pietro, the super speed of Quicksilver. Mm-hmm. And the other one has uh, more in more in line with Seemingly. Wanda's powers. Yeah. So if one of them was stuck on an island, I would assume that the Quicksilver one would be able to run across the water or swim really quick and get to where he's going. So the kid on the island's wearing a red shirt... Maybe it's not the Quicksilver kid. Maybe it's the other kid that Mephisto's after instead of Wanda. Mm. Boom. Well, the kid on the island was dressed like uh, Billy. Uh, That's he, the one. He had the red shirt on, you know. But, I mean, yeah, I, I think... I don't that, remember kids' names. I think you might be taking the analogy a little too far, <laughs> a little too literally, you know. But that's... that's oh, really? Weird. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't able to get to Yo Magic either. Well, maybe the shark's trying right. to create a new Mind Stone. <laughs> You're just trolling me again. 
Well, <laughs> you're just... you come up with crazy stuff, and it's totally I do. Normal. It's true. I come up with crazy stuff, Maybe. and it's well, a bit of a stretch there. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, you said the same thing to him. It's true. It's, it's all equal footing yeah, here. Yeah, it is. You, I, yeah, I see how true. this interplay goes. Yeah, but I mean, I think unacceptable. That, um, I don't think there's anybody that watched that commercial and was like, oh, yeah, that's that's totally fine. <laughs> you know, hey, honey, get me a gogurt. Thanks. That'd be great. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's interesting, too, because now, look, there's been a focus on the children since at least the second episode when the, the whole town was like chanting for the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and how come so, there's no kids in this neighborhood? <laughs> right. So, I mean, right. I, you know, I, I feel like the kids are part of what this other figure wants. And I do believe more than I did before that Wanda has created the hex, you know. Sure. But I think that there this other figure is there to exploit it or to try and get something out of it or to, you know, manipulate Wanda or, or something. So that's just kind of how I feel about right. it. So so that brings to question how the kids came to be. Right. And if they are they real or are they figments of Wanda's imagination Ooh, or are they see I think that they're from... real and you know Monica did say that they were real after she came out of the hex to the extent that she knows what's going on um, right but I mean the fact that they're able to uh, develop mental jump at will right and right like they just. Mm, there's so much there. But it's a good point, Kim, because it is an open question as to whether the kids could actually leave the hex at this point. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Like, is this all just imagination or is there something basing on or that she's basing those children on? Yeah. Like, did she take parts of Vision's body and make children? Because. And why would that's a Ultron whole other... create a vision with a penis that. Um, Wanda would later break into the sword headquarters and steal so she could use it to create children. Listen, you know, sometimes you just get really horny <laughs> and you just need a good bonus. Ultron was smart to enough be... to know these things. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, he absorbed the entire internet. He All the Pornhub's in there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a whole yep. new subcategory of gum. porn that I never considered before. Um <laughs> <laughs> the Vision Wanda uh, episodes on Pornhub or whatever. You know uh, they're there. Hold on. <laughs> now I do. I never, didn't think of it before. Um, okay, so. Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, so. I need 15 um, minutes. Let's, let's wrap up with our final thoughts on this episode. Um, Jess, wh- how, would you, how would you sum up your thoughts and your feelings on this episode? Mm, I really have no idea what's going to happen in the next episode because of the uh, finale of this episode where Wanda expands the hex, which basically sucks in every single character that we've seen both inside and outside. Uh, did she end up getting uh, Haywood or Hayward? No, him and the He's, like, couple people in his him car and his, the only his, ones that got out lackeys. from his team. Yeah, but everyone else, Darcy, uh, Monica's back in, so that's probably going to mess with her DNA again and maybe uh, and give her more powers or whatever. Um, who knows what's going to happen because now Wanda has stepped forward and exerted 
more control. And she's realized, you know, we've seen her in the past couple episodes. She's really just understanding that she's in control of everything. And everyone else is kind of understanding that. And now she's grew the hex and drawn in more people. So everything turned into a circus. So I think the next episode is going to be a circus of wonders. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I really don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure. I don't know much about Mephisto, but next is uh, episode seven, and we're getting nine or ten episodes. Nine. nine. So that's the one thing I don't like about these Disney shows is they don't unveil the final villain until like the last four seconds of the season. So I don't know. <laughs> the, well, what's... this is literally the first MCU show on television. So well, I mean, like the Disney shows, out. like they they have that same type of thing. They always unveil something in the end. You know, like the post. Well, you know, next scene. episode really is going to be the beginning of the third act of the of the show, and so I don't think it'll be too long, really, before that unveiling happens. Yeah, but no, with the whole circus theme they're going with and the clowns and everything, it's going to be a treat for sure. Interesting. Yeah, I have a feeling the next episode might be modeled on like a like a The Office or like Parks and Rec or something like that. Because um, hmm. oh yeah, we're, something early two thousands. Yeah, because we're kind of mm-hmm. getting to that time period. Um, but yeah, um, so uh, Kim, what are your final thoughts on this episode? What do you think? I really enjoyed, uh, like I said, the interplay, the acting. Um, but I'm really interested to see Darcy in the hex. That's like mm. the one thing I want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also really interested to see if the like the people at the edge where they were unable to do things like did she somehow like re-exert power over everybody everybody and now she has like more ability to control individual actions Hmm. or was that like uh she was waning in her control just because she wasn't expanding it as much like you know if you're not growing you're you know, dying kind of thing. Yeah. It's good. So now that she's grown it out, will she have more control over everybody? Maybe she's just huh. becoming more conscious of the control she has. I don't know. It's a really good question. Yeah. Yeah. Any other final thoughts then? Uh, other than that, I, I'm really interested to see what these kids can do now that they have powers. Right. And and how Pietro is handled. Yeah, I think they're I mean, they, they definitely were a bigger part of the show this episode. I mean, to the point where very in very much Malcolm in the middle style, you know, they uh, they were the center of it. Yeah, so uh, I, I think they, I think in the next episode, they're probably going to be uh, young teenagers. They, they might. Oh, maybe we'll get a That 70s Show. That would be hilarious. Oh, <laughs> man. That 70s Show in the circus. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, that actually reminds me, uh, I forgot, I just want to mention one more thing, which is the, you know, the theme song at the beginning, of course, it was very Malcolm in the middle, and later, uh-huh. uh, Billy was, like, breaking the fourth wall, very much like Malcolm in the middle, but, like, if you listen to the uh, lyrics of the theme song, they basically uh-huh. say what's going on, and it's very creepy, uh, and I wrote those down, too. so it's like it's easy just to like kind of not pay attention to the lyrics during the song because it's like this upbeat like you know and you're seeing all the like silly like video but but here's what it says don't try to fight the chaos don't question what you've done 
The game can try to play us, don't let it stop the fun. Some days confusion, easy come, easy go, but if it's all illusion, sit back and enjoy the show. Let's keep it going, let's keep it going through each distorted day. Let's keep it going, though there may be no way of knowing who's coming by to play. Mm. How Mm-mm-mm. creepy is that? Mm. Don't question what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> but if it's all illusion, sit back and enjoy the show. Let's keep it going. Like, like that's it. that's like describing what's happening. Right. I think in the show. Um, are you guys as creeped out as this by it as I am? I mean, well, the I, whole episode was just creepy overall. You know, just with the, uh, you know, we, we saw Pietro dead and then the people on the outside of town and Agnes trying to leave and Herb, you know, he he kind of broke, uh, stepped out of his role for a second, kind of like Agnes did in the last episode. So, yeah, it's it's all starting to unravel. So, like I said, the next uh, episode is the start of the third act. So I hope hope we see some big bad unveiled. Yeah, I have a feeling. Yeah, yeah, Kim, what what are your thoughts on on this? Or is this something you noticed before and you're like, catch up, Will? Yeah. Uh, the the theme song. Yeah, itself? yeah, yeah. The lyrics. Um, I wasn't paying attention to the lyrics a whole lot, um, other than some of like the 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 illusion bit I did catch, and I was like, that is a good question. Is this real or is this all illusion or is this you know the because you know, with her mind powers in the past, it's been illusion. Right. When, like, when all of the Avengers went down, you know, they were all just having nightmares. Nothing was actually happening to them. She has so, come a long way like, since shooting red wiggly woos out of her hand. Exactly. <laughs> Love that line. So, so it's very interesting to me to see if this is still all illusion. But, I mean, we had the bulletproof fish pants, so... Yeah, I don't think it is uh, illusion. I think it's, like, more like transmutation. There you go. She's a transmutation wizard. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I just wanted to bring that up because like the show, I feel like the show is getting more meta as it goes on. Like, like not just with like the theme song there, but also like with like, it seems like those uh, higher level supporting characters are becoming like more aware, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and more consciously trying to cater to Wanda in a sense. And of course, Vision's awareness has been raising throughout the whole thing. What was that, Kim? That makes sense with the theme song as well. Like, mm-hmm. if she is more aware and she's right. the one writing the theme songs and putting everything together, point. then it makes sense that the theme song is going to allude to what's happening more than previous. Yeah, days. it's almost like her internal monologue in a way. Uh-huh. Yeah, interesting. Because she's... Like, she probably doesn't even know if it's fully illusion or if this is actually controlling everything. And I think through this episode, she's probably figuring that out with the fact that she expanded it. I think that's right. Yeah, I I think you're right on there. Well, you know, for me, um, I just want to bring up that last thing before I forgot. But, you know, for me, um, you know, like I said, this episode was a lot. A lot of people were saying, oh, we're in, you know, we're in for a slower episode so it can set up like the last (laughs) three. No, 
no. <laughs> this one, this one took off and, you know, was like, we were at the races the whole time. I mean, you know, and it revealed so much by way of like, you know, vision can't leave the hex and like, you know, poke holes in a lot of theories, maybe buttressed some other ones. But I, the main takeaway for me from this episode is that Pietro is not not even the Peter from the Fox universe. Like maybe whoever is like, you know, controlling him or whoever it really is, is like using that body as a convenience because it's the closest thing to her brother that he could nab from the multiverse. Because, you know, if he's going to impersonate him, he's got to have the super speed and everything uh, or whatever it is. But like, that's not Ooh. Peter. I think, like, I, I really think that this underlying, like, passive-aggressive hostility is indicating, you know, that he doesn't really care about Wanda and her kids per se. He just wants something from them, you know, and he's asking her. He's always deflecting her questions and her tests, and he's always trying to, like, you know, be with the kids. And I think he's, like, really interested in them in kind of a, a, a villainous way. That and the takeaway of, you know, Vision can't leave the hex in the ways, in the very macabre way that we witnessed. And so I, you know, it says to me that he is uh, partially the remains of the Vision that we know and partially the creation of, you know, Wanda's hex magic, which, you know, in my very convoluted deep dive theory also has to do with like Mind Stone power. Mm -hmm. uh, so those are really my big takeaways from the episode. Um, I mean, a lot of stuff happened in it. I mean, a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. That was really fun to see. But, like, I am just, like, on the edge of my seat waiting to see what happens next. Yeah. I was not happy with their ending point at all. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, that was that was quite a cliffhanger. Yeah, because you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Credits. No. <Nope. laughs> Pretty Curse good. you, Feige! <laughs> Curse mm. you, Feige! Yeah, so, but no, actually, I, I love it. It's a good pain. It's, it's, it's where pain meets pleasure, I think. Um, so on that note, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of Mecha Dragon. We really do appreciate it. Um, please head on over to Apple Podcasts or your choice podcasting platform and hit us up with a five-star review and or rating. Uh, we really do appreciate that. And uh, Kim, would you like to tell our listeners at home where they can find you online and what you're up to? Uh, you can find me on Twitter and many discords as MetzGirl, M-E-T-Z-G-I-R-L. Uh, but otherwise, I am in three different podcasts on a regular basis. The first one is Service Desk Podcast, in which I and a couple of co-hosts talk about technology for the not-so-technically-savvy. We attempt to explain some of what you should be doing and sometimes more in-depth type things. It's It's a lot of... Uh, technical jargon, hopefully broken down well enough for the average person to understand. And then I do a lot of uh, tabletop role-playing games. The first one is Beholder's Eye. We are a fifth, uh, fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast with uh, lots of action and adventure and so many character deaths. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> right? Uh, it's kind of like the MCU that way. Um <laughs> But uh, so that's my main one uh, that we've been going for a couple of years. And then the last one I'm in is LCP D&D. &D, and that one is a little mix of everything. We've done uh, Fillmore's Crossing, which was a, 
a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons thing, but we also did some Savage Worlds and we've mixed in some other weird one shots here and there. So it's been a little bit of a mix, Sounds but fun. a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, I've been playing D&D like for like almost 30 years now so that's all that stuff's really interesting to me it's so fascinating to me how those like actual play role you know actual play like D&D podcasts have just taken off so much in the podcasting world it's amazing well it's because you're already telling a story Mm -hmm. you just record it and throw it out there and people people, sometimes want to listen yeah yeah and people love it so yeah so folks tune into those check them out and um jess would you like to give our listeners at home our social media details you bet your bippy i would you can find us at mechadragon.net on the worldwide super highway web and you can catch our podcast on anchor Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, CastBox, Stitcher, and everywhere else uh, where they host quality podcasts. Uh, Give us a thumbs up, a a like, a five-star rating. Give us a review. We love hearing from you, and we love those five stars. Uh, If you're on Facebook, hit us up at MechaDragon. Twitter and Instagram at MechaDragonShow. And if you use emails... Uh, that's mechadragonshow at gmail.com questions, comments, corrections, or topics and we will see you in the next episode of WandaVision that's right okie dokie neighbors happy Halloweeny (laughs) 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 bubbles Bye, bye our music is Overworld by Kevin McLeod from Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0, creativecommons.org slash licenses slash buy slash 3.0.